Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History avec a Hemingway. Today we are talking about Rose Bertin, and if you're like me, you don't know who she is, so... Let's find out from the lovely Claudine. Well, we have actually talked a little bit about her before. If you remember our Marie Antoinette episode. Ah, we talked a lot about Marie. Yes, and we are going, this is going to be the beginning of a multi-week episodes that are all going to be about the ladies around Marie Antoinette. Oh, I like this. Yeah, so this is really good because there's a couple ladies that are kind of more famous that were around her um, that actually a lot of people have asked if we were going to do episodes about them and they've been on our list. And so now this is it. This is the moment. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. So Marie Rose Bertin was born July 2nd, 1747 in Abbeville. She was born, it was in, it's in the North of France. Her father, Nicholas Bertin and her mother was Marie Marguerite uh, Maguignon who worked as a nurse, um, but began working in a clothing factory when she was younger. At 16 years old, after her father died, Rose moved off to Paris and took a job at a store called the Très Galant, working for Mademoiselle Pegal, who worked with many of the ladies of the court of Louis XV. Oh, that's where Pigal comes from. Well, this is Pagal with the A. Pigal is um, Jean-Baptiste Pigal was an artist. And he actually, side note, if you go into Saint-Sulpice, the um, Virgin Mary that's in the very back of the church and those amazing um, holy water fonts that are the huge uh, shells on the marble bases, Pigal did that. Oh, this is all such good information to have. Yeah. So Pigal, the sex district of Paris, (laughs) poor (laughs) Jean-Baptiste knows who he is. They just know the area that he (laughs) It's changed a little bit. It's changed a little bit. Um, But at a very early age, she had a, a real talent for adorning dresses for ladies. At that time, it was kind of more important to uh, what you cover dresses with than actual dress. Because at that time, the form of the dresses were all pretty similar. I mean, it wasn't like now where it's like, I want the A-line or a wrap or, you know, there wasn't like all the options. Mm-hmm. So to make them different, it was how they were adorned and covered. So at that time, people were using ribbons and, and jewels and, you know, feathers and lace, all these different things. So she started working in this boutique and that's what she started doing. And the women loved it. Um, Her boss, Mademoiselle Pegal, loved it as well. 
And so she, you know, definitely started getting a lot of attention pretty early on. In um, 1770, she left um, the store and she opened her own store on um, the uh, Rue de Faubourg Saint-Honoré. And it -hmm. was called Le Grand Mogel. Later, she moved to 26 Rue de Richelieu um, in the Passage Potier on April 24, 1789. Hello. Yeah. And it's this little tiny passage that basically connects the back, um, the, I think it's the Rue de um, Bougelet, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's a back street that goes um, behind the Palais Royale. It's this little tiny passage that's like 10 steps and you're already out of it, but that's where her store was. Uh, we, can we still visit? Um, her store, no, but you could still walk down, down that passage. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah, we're going to go check it out. I was definitely going to do a video from there when I'm in Paris. We'll go, go look at it. Um, but she began to dress the um, Duchesse de Char and Louis-Marie Adelaide de Bourbon. Um, her lovely dresses ended up uh, everybody else at court wanted them. She even designed um, stuff for Madame Duberry, who was the mistress of Louis the Fifteenth, who we've also talked about. Um, and she also did stuff, and you're going to love this, for the cross-dressing, Charles Jambier Louis Denon. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was a member of the Secret de Roi, which was the spies of Louis the Fifteenth, and he um, dressed as, he liked to dress up as a woman. And uh-huh. I, Really, I almost think we need to do a whole episode on him. It's really interesting. There's actually pictures, like drawings of him, and they actually like cut him down the center. And on the right, he's dressed as a man. And on the left, he's in this huge 18th century, you know, full skirt, you know, with all of the hoops and everything in it. (laughs) It's very interesting. So on May 11, 1774, it was one day after the death of Louis the 15th, um, was the day that she met Marie Antoinette. She also was the day after she became Queen Marie Antoinette. Um, she was introduced to her um, by the Duchesse de Char at the Marly Chateau. Nice. No, no longer there. Um, they became very close very quickly. Um, and Marie Antoinette, you know, she didn't have a lot of people she trusted. She was rather young, as we as we know. Um, so she didn't have a lot of, you know, close friends. Um, it was at the time, you know, Madame Duberry was they they had a very uh, hot relationship as far as, you know, Marie Antoinette couldn't stand her. If you remember that episode. Um, you know, and her mother forced her to be nice to her before because they hadn't consummated their wedding. So they could throw, you know, everything could go into turmoil, the relationship with France and Austria, everything. So Marie Antoinette didn't have a lot of people she could trust, but she and Rose became pretty close. Rose would come visit her twice a week to talk about what she wanted to have designed um, and, you know, to talk about everything that she, anything else she wanted. Um, Rose also had created these wax dolls <laughs> called Pandora's. And at that time she would do that for Marie Antoinette and make small versions of the dresses that she was making for Marie Antoinette so that Marie could send it to her family and friends back in Austria to see what she was wearing. Well, it sounds kind of creepy, but cool at the same time. I know it does sound. And there was actually some of them were like huge. Like they, there was a small version of like, you know, like a Barbie doll size. And then some of them were like a small child size. It sounds like the hills have eyes or Texas chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
it's kind of strange. Um, but Marie Antoinette, um, you know, wasn't her only client. She had over 1,500 different customers. Um, that was before the revolution that she designed for art actresses, the aristocracy, um, and different queens. The Queen of Sweden, Spain, Portugal. She was designing clothes like everybody in Europe knew about her. She was basically the first celebrity designer. That is cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, part of the, her appeal was that she refused to follow trends. She insisted on creating her own look um, and just following, you know, what she wanted to make instead of what was popular at that time. You know, at that time, it was, you know, it was it was harder. You know, nowadays, it's so easy to see and, you know, inspire and show people what the trends are or set the trends. But back then, it wasn't quite as easy um, when Marie Antoinette wanted some lightweight dresses for to wear at the Hameau, Rose designed the very lightweight muslin, uh, muslin dress that she wore that Vijay Lebrun captured in the painting that caused that huge issue because the, basically people thought the queen was painted in her underwear. <laughs> it was a dress, guys. It was. And then, but it also became a huge thing. Like everybody then wanted them. Um, she also created dresses for Vijay Lebrun, and Vijay actually painted her a portrait of her, too. So, you know, of course, because of this period of time, those are, there's only a few images of her. Um, and one of them is the painting by Vijay. Ah, that's so wild that she got to like work with all the most important people designing most beautiful clothing. Definitely. Um, one really awesome thing about Rose is that she, at that time, um, was one of the very first women to actually charge for her talent, to actually charge what she was worth to people instead of at that time, you know, people would, were barely charging anything, um, for it. But as a woman, she was charging what she deserved that she should be paid for, for what she was doing, because it not only because it was so popular and she was such in demand, but she actually, you know, that was something women didn't get to do for quite a long time after that. Yeah. I mean, that's huge at that moment in time, you know, like women weren't allowed to do anything, but really like make babies and make babies. Yeah, that's about it, or being none. So, I mean, even still to this day, it's an issue, which is pretty sad. Um, But she had her, Mary, Marie Antoinette actually named her to the Minister of Fashion. That's huge. Yeah, there wasn't that position before or after. She was named the Minister of Fashion, which actually started to actually tick some people off. (laughs) Um, They all got a little bit upset. Um, She was, because she was a commoner, and she was basically a servant to the queen um, that she didn't deserve to have a place in court um, and and next being as close to the queen as she was. So many people were just jealous, I think, of that fact alone, just because that's where they wanted. They wanted to have that, you know, very close one on one time with the queen. And they should know, bring it back. The minister of fashion. Minister of fashion. I know. That's cool. That'd be pretty cool. Um the, you know, she, Rose actually never married. See, the Duke of Chart, um, the husband of her largest client that, you know, got her into, um, into the house of Marie Antoinette, um, basically wanted her as his mistress. I think that she had slept with him and then he decided that he wanted her to himself. He would shower her with jewels and gifts and uh, she could, she could care less. She was just like, for, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. She, at one point he said that he was going to um, take her away 
And huh. he had a house in Nui that he was going to take her away. So she made sure to never um, be alone with him or come over to, to meet with his wife about, you know, different designs um, because she, because he was saying that he was basically going to take her. And the more she pushed him away, the more he wanted her. <laughs> Wait, so she had to fight off a kidnapper? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't, I mean, that's what it sounds now. It sounds like that. Um, but I think that he just was just like, I will have you and take you to my house in New York and we will live there. And she was like, peace out, brother. I'm busy. And I'm, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, but, you know, she was, she was, you know, everybody wanted her to design for them. Everybody, you know, she was a celebrity at that time, but not everybody um, was in love with her. Um, she actually, there was another person, uh, Madame Quignot, who lived in the Palais de Louvre. She wanted an exclusive uh, design of um, that Rose made. And she had sent a letter to Rose saying, you know, I would like you to come over and, and sit with me and design something. And Rose just blew her off, didn't respond to her. So she, um, Madame sent another, uh, she sent one of her servants over there with a letter and said, like, how dare you not respond to me? And then Rose still blew her off. Um, it got all the way to Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette was like, just, just go see her. Just like get this over with. Just go see her. Um, and so Rose went to go see her, and the lady just berated her the whole time, saying basically like, you're, you know, you're such a class below me. How dare you? And Rose just got up and left. A class below me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so it's kind of ridiculous. But she didn't just design clothes. She also um, designed hairstyles and there was a um, very popular at the time. She created what was called the poof. The poof was basically this crazy hairstyle that I think is what most people when they, you know, if they're going to go dress up as Marie Antoinette for Halloween, this hairstyle is what, what everybody thinks it <laughs> did at the time. So it was basically sometimes it could be up to three feet tall sitting on the top of your head, she would use um, basically wires and almost create a structure that their hair could be wrapped around. They <laughs> would also include um, objects. So it could sometimes include ships, uh, birds' nests, birds itself, butterflies. Sometimes it would have real, butter real butterflies or birds in it. What about these poor birds? Weren't they poo in their hair? I know, poor things. I uh, yeah, I have no idea. There's just a lot of strange things about it. I mean, just the fact that it has this structure, this inner working structure, you know, that yeah. basically built the Eiffel Tower inside their hair. Uh, but it was became this huge thing. There was actually a very famous one that was she did that looked like a giant ship. Um, that, that basically is, you know, very well known. There was another one that Marie Antoinette actually asked her to create. It was the inoculation poof. And, inoculation poof. Yeah, and this is very fitting. Maybe we should bring this back now. Because <laughs> she had this designed to inspire Louis the 16th to get his vaccination for smallpox. Oh my gosh, what? I mean, that is a little strange that you're like, okay, I need this hairstyle. And this is what it needs to say. <laughs> get vaccinated. We should totally bring that back considering Macron was just on the TV tonight being like, please get vaccinated. We can like bring the hairstyle back. I know it would be like three feet tall and have like syringes in it. I mean, that's just very strange. <laughs> I think Macron should wear it and then maybe he could influence everybody. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's just that would it's just very strange. But I it did influence it must have influenced him because he did get the smallpox. It worked. The hair worked. Yeah. Um, she also would work with um, Marie Antoinette when sometimes she wanted to sneak away and go into Versailles, especially when she was in the younger years to go to Versailles for a party. She would go over, get to um, meet her at the Pavillon de Flore, which is in um, at the Tuileries, which actually still remains today. It's at that far end of the um, uh southern side of the Louvre um, mm. kind of looking towards the Musée d'Orsay she would meet her there at like one o'clock in the morning and get her all dressed up so she looked you know she could fit in and nobody would know who she was and then they would she'd go off to a party and she'd come back two hours later and they'd sneak back to Versailles before anybody woke up and knew they were even gone that's really fun can you imagine Marie Antoinette crashing your party yeah I mean in the movie Marie Antoinette that you know Coppola did she definitely kind of, you know, that's what you could imagine because she yeah, yeah. that. And they do sure. escape. Um, but Rose would, you know, dress her for all of these different things um, over time. What a cool job. I want to be besties with Marie Antoinette and help her sneak into parties and put like inoculation hair styles on her head. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> all, it's all fun and games until you know that they don't really have a lot of indoor plumbing. <laughs> Yeah. And also what happened to her during the revolution? Weren't they just chopping everyone's head off related to the queen? We're about to get to that. So (laughs) as the revolution started to get closer and closer, um, her very, uh, very uh, celebrity was starting to work against her because the people looked at her as, you know, here's this person that created fashion. They all think that Marie Antoinette's doing nothing but sitting around spending money on fashion. So, Rose is to Rose, of course, is like public enemy number one. Uh oh. Yeah, so it wasn't good. So she they looked at her as she was a corrupt and corrupting merchant of luxury. What Wait, said. what? <laughs> That's what the people were saying that she was this corruption and merchant of luxury. Um, after the family was arrested and sent to Paris and when they were under house arrest at the Tuileries for a few years, she continued to still dress her. She would come there and she would, you know, sit with her and still design things for her. Um, once they were moved and into the temple uh, prison, uh, when Louis the Sixteenth was killed, she um, was asked to dress a, to dress and create something for Marie Antoinette. And Antoinette to wear when she was in mourning. And then sadly, 10 months later, she designed the dress and brought it to her that she would wear the simple white dress she would wear as she was carted through Paris and then to Pass de la Concorde and beheaded. This is so sad. It's very sad. Yeah. But in 1792, she fled France, got out of there. She went to Brussels, then to Frankfurt, and then on to London, where she was still working and still designing dresses for people that were, had been, you know, ran away from France, as well as the other monarchies of Europe. Um, At the time, she was listed as the um, émigré, which was the list of people that basically had to leave France. Um, if you were on this list, you could not come back. Um, and then if you were on that list, also it meant that anything you owned was basically forfeited. So they could go into and retake your house and take everything that you had in there. She was listed as having to leave for legitimate reasons for her business. Mm-hmm. 
And so her everything she had, including her store, was protected. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she was very lucky. She was very fortunate. Um, she left she for three years when she returned to Paris. Um, you know, she she still tried to, um, you know, dress people in France. She didn't have a lot of customers in France anymore that wanted to work with her. She still mostly did um, designs for England, um, people in England and Russia and Spain. Um, but for very fewer and fewer women, um, when she came back, the landscape was obviously quite different. And because <laughs> she was kind of listed as, you know, a collaborator with the yeah. queen and royalty, um, it didn't work out too well. So on September 21st, 1813, she died in Epinay-sur-Seine, which is just north of Paris. And today there is a trolley station named after her. <laughs> what isn't that nice <laughs> like a modern trolley station it's not like it's this beautiful old you know 18th century <laughs> station it's just a trolley station uh, but she still had the store the store was still in business until after she came back she had it for quite a few more years and then basically right before, just a few years before she died she ended up selling it so Wow. All of that. And then the woman ends up with a trolley station. <laughs> trolley station. Yeah. The uh, trolley station, Rose Bertin. Not even like a metro station. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't think people really know who she is, do they, though? No, I mean, she does kind of, she, you know, of the ladies that are... Um, that surrounded Marie Antoinette. She is a little bit more well-known. She did at one point um, with her hairdresser. They ended up, Marie Antoinette encouraged them and they started one of the very first fashion magazines, like the first fashion magazine that they did. Um, the hairdresser, um, you know, he also did some quite a few different designs for Marie Antoinette, but it was Rose that did basically design the most popular one with the poof. Um <laughs> You know, this just, just it was just huge. Um, and so that they had like their first fat fashion magazine. She was like the first celebrity designer, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the minister of fashion <laughs> and a trolley station. I want to bring back the minister of fashion. Like I'm really feeling that title. I know. I wonder who in France would be that person today. That's a very good question. Hmm. Well, we'll have to assign somebody, of course. We'll assign somebody, yeah. Or <laughs> I think it should be Jean Levin, who obviously has passed away now, but she should be, you know, she should. more people should know who she is. <laughs> well, thank you for telling us about another fabulous woman in French history. And if you guys want to learn more about the history of Paris, join Claudine's tours every Sunday. She also does travel planning. She also takes you on tours and she's going to be in Paris for quite some time for three months. So if you want to take a tour with her, contact her directly at ClaudineHemingway.com. And don't forget to tune in next week to join in on more fun. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.